0: The Batteries Included podcast is brought to you with United Chargers. United Chargers presents the Grizzly range of EV chargers. There's the original Grizzly Classic, a powerful heavy-duty portable EV charging station built to withstand the toughest conditions. The Grizzly Duo, a dual-port unit designed to charge two vehicles at the same time. The Grizzly Mini, a small portable charging station built with an indoor-outdoor-rated cast-aluminium enclosure. And the Grizzly Smart, a revolutionary smart EV charger. All Grizzly Chargers come with a convenient 24-foot cable and the ability to adjust the current from 16 amps all the way up to 40 amps. That's 9.6 kilowatts, plus they're IP67 rated. Built in Canada with the highest quality materials, order yours now at unitedchargers.com. That's unitedchargers.com.
1: Hello, welcome to the Batteries Included podcast. It's February the 23rd. 2024, and this is episode number 25. Thank you very much for joining us. On today's show, we'll be talking about Kyle driving the Honda Prologue for the first time. GM is reportedly killing a small pickup truck in favor of a large plug in hybrid electric truck, and the launch of the Volkswagen ID 7 tour in Europe. And of course, much, much more. I'm Dominic Yoni. Joining us today is the effervescent. Mr. Tom Malogny, Senior Editor at Inside EVs and host of the YouTube channel State of Charge. We also have the meditative Mr. Martin Lee from the EV News Daily Podcast, which is available on all the best podcast platforms. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, Kyle Connor joins us from the majestic, practically palatial halls of Spec Studios, where he produces high-voltage videos for a number of YouTube channels. Hey there, everybody. Good to see good you morning. all. Good morning. No, good afternoon. Good morning, all. all right. So... We don't have a recorded version of the EV News Daily uh, weekly recording roundup. <laughs> How do I even say that? I don't, even I don't know. I don't
0: know. Normally, I like to spend the morning because I'm later than you guys, working on it, adding screenshots, doing some screen grabs, talking about it as I go. But it takes a couple mm. of hours or so, and I've been so snowed today. So, I, but I know what's been happening this week, so I can still do some news if you want me to. But it'll just be live. It might just be a bit more frisky than usual because who knows what will happen. I can decent do, do you some news if you'd like. Are you ready? Let's, should we? I got the jingle ready.
1: Okay, go ahead. Okay, here we
0: go. First job, make me big. I'm big, right? Uh, This week, well, SAE uh, International officially adopted new standards to enable level one, level two EV chargers to have vehicle-to-grid. It's called SAE J3068, and it provides utility companies with standardized data to receive power from EVs. Ford Pro CFO Uh, Navin Kumar said that certain segments of commercial customers actually want EVs at a much greater rate than gas-powered counterparts. He noted that Ford Pro is selling a higher mix of things like the e-transit to state and local governments, as well as small businesses, compared to combustion. Talking to Ford, they lowered prices and offered cash incentives for the F 150 Lightning and Mustang Mach E in North America. Uh, Mustang Mach E went down by between eight dollars and $13,000 uh, in Canada as well. Starting price in the US for the select rear wheel drive now $39,895, and the select all wheel drive starts at 42895 As for the F-150 Lightning, uh, they're $7,500 off the XLT extended range and five dollars off the Lariat Standard and extended range and twelve dollars off the Platinum versions. Mercedes-Benz revised their expectations for EV demand, saying they'll update their combustion engine lineup into the decade, which they weren't going to do. It was going to be 100% EV sales in Europe by 2030, and they're walking that back, slightly uh, reacting to the shifting supply and demand out there. Lucid Motors reported a wider net loss of $650 million in Q4 and said their production will be 9,000 vehicles this year, Uh, blaming high interest rates and the macro situation. The company delivered 1,700 airs last quarter and will launch their Gravity, the crossover, later this year. Net loss for last year, 28 Billion dollars—that's a bad day at the office. Well, Tesla added three new color wraps for the Cybertruck, ad including satin abyss blue. Fancy, uh, which you can get in the Tesla app for six and a half thousand dollars in one of four locations in California. Lotus will be publicly listed on the Nasdaq uh, for five point five billion dollars. They raised eight hundred eighty million from early investors in anticipation of the listing. Over in Germany, and local voters in the Grünheide municipality voted against Tesla's plans to expand the Gigafactory to clear 250 acres of forest and increase the site by 50%. The vote's not binding, but local officials said they would respect the results. Tesla will come back with new plans. Rivian announced plans to cut 10% of their salaried workforce. It's the third time I think they've done a workforce trimming. That's a horrible word, isn't it, for people losing their jobs? But either way, uh, they've set production guidance below expectations as well. They said they will built 57,000 vehicles this year, down from 80,000 as previously advised. Good news for the Cadillac Lyric, now available with the $7,500 federal tax credits after making changes to the sourcing of minor components, battery separators and electrolytes and things, uh, bringing the Lyric inside the tax credit eligibility. Uh, price capped qualifies 80 grand. That covers most of the configurations of the Lyric, doesn't it? In Italy in the Mia Fiori plant in Turin. They just began production this week of the all-electric Fiat 500e for the North American market. Already sold out the first batch of those, about 150 miles of range and an MSRP of $32,500. And the Dacia Spring, Europe's cheapest electric car, It's coming to the UK, Uh, the original version didn't, but there's a new version that actually looks really good and very, very competent. Great connectivity, great dashboard, all improved and restyled. Advanced driver assistance. It starts at £17,000, and it comes with a 10-inch touchscreen and the higher-end models and, of course, smartphone uh, kind of tethering. Uh, for the lower-grade models to replace any of that expensive in car stuff. That is the news I think we'll stick to today. Where's the little jingle thing? This is going to be seamless. Uh, go! No! Go! didn't see a thing. It was <laughs> perfect. That was That, that was, was awesome.
2: incredible. That we'll like fix awesome.
0: that in, we'll fix it in the edit. You can now. You it's can fine. breathe now. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when this goes out, we'll fix that. We'll, we'll edit that. It's fine. This isn't live, is it? Oh that, crap! That, that was a recording, wasn't it? That, that, wasn't that a was recording? very impressive.
2: <laughs> Woo! Wow.
0: Well, I'm sure I missed wow. something, but there you go. Wow. <laughs> ah, nice work. Well, thank you very much for that. <laughs> thank you very much for that. That was mighty awesome. unlikely. Says hooray. Something my wife has never said, unfortunately. Uh, right, let's crack on. <laughs> we'll just leave that.
1: Hey, Kyle. So, I hear you uh, You drove the Honda Prologue a few weeks ago. And now you can finally talk about it. Uh, you posted a video yesterday of your time with it. And, of course, we encourage everyone to go and check that full video up because there's a ton of de- info in there. It's like over an hour and 15 minutes long, I think. Um, and, it, yeah, it's just chock full of detail. And you see all every little bit of the car. But, um yeah, before you give us your thoughts, uh, I thought we'd just remind the audience of the specs of this thing. So it's built on the Altium platform and will be manufactured alongside the Chevy Equinox EV in Mexico. The single motor version is front wheel drive and puts out 121 horsepower, has a hundred or 296 mile range. The dual-motor all-wheel-drive version offers 288 horsepower and has a uh, 281-mile range, they say, except for the Elite trim, which is all-wheel-drive, of course, but it only has a 273-mile range, taking a little bit of a hit there. Uh, The battery is 85 kilowatt-hours. DC charge time is given as 20 to 80% in 35 minutes, which is, of course, not class-leading, but... uh, I don't know if, if that's where that's it's actually in the whole spectrum of the charging speeds. I don't think it's it's not really great, really for a new product, but that's fine. Uh, Kyle, why don't you tell us what you think of the new Honda Prologue? Well,
2: I think you summed it up right there at the end. It's and I'll use your words. It's not really great, but that's fine. And so that's pretty much right. the whole card from my perspective. I have to say, by the way, I we produced a um, full out of spec reviews video that's an hour and something long, which is you know actually doing pretty well. I think it's the second or third highest viewed prologue video out there. And it's like five times as long as everyone else. So everyone's saying you don't watch long videos. I got the data saying you do. Um, and there's like you know 50 other ones that have like 1,000 views on them. I don't know. I also wanted to say a big thank you to Nebula, who's here in the chat, who helped Ooh. me a ton with uh, that review. Because I went into the prologue doing zero research. And we all know Nebula is our resident GM expert. And I really want to get him on the podcast at some point just to um, pick his brain about everything GM and electrification, but really helped me a lot to get some info. I meant to put it in the video. Um, I just never made it in there. So sorry for not giving you the credit that really he should be reviewing the car, not me. Uh, But I mean, I just needed some quick things on like battery pack voltages, you know, usable versus gross capacities. And he had all that information readily available. And that was wonderful. Uh, The car itself is um, a, of course, Chevy Blazer sister. It's, you know, we could argue it's badge engineering. And it's kind of interesting. It's, I've never, at least in recent memory, we've never really seen a car like this. Within the General Motors group, it's expected that you will have, a Blazer, a Lyric, a Silverado EV, a uh, Sierra EV. That's probably the best example because they'll be built on the same platform. Um, But but this is a Honda that's treated like one of those internal rebrandings. And I think the vehicle looks great. I think it is the right size. Uh, It's really nice and roomy and comfy and soft and a great um, seemingly highway cruiser. It's relatively quiet. Um, It's got just enough power. Um, And so, you know, it's uh, the, the prologue is pretty much a a nice car. But is it a nice Honda? The answer is it's not a Honda. It is a General Motors product. And is that good? Is that bad? For some people, we've seen it in the comment section. We had one guy said he will absolutely now buy this car and consider it because it's a GM. It's the first Honda he would consider. And then there's another one comment right after that that says, I would never consider this. I'm a Honda guy and this is crap. And I'm like, I don't, you know, you can't please everyone with one car. But all I'll say is it's one of those cars that I think they're they're expecting to produce 40,000 in the first year. We'll see if that happens. Um, You know, the software bugs of Blazer this one, the Honda team was like overly confident they wouldn't have that issue. But uh, I would say I didn't see any issues with the prologue at all uh, during our drives and everything. And in um, the other topic is in three, or sorry, maybe five years from now, eight years from now, we're going to look back and go, remember that weird Honda GM partnership car? It would be like the weird car remember list. And uh, I kind of like it for that. It's kind of quirky. It's kind of weird, and yeah, it's uh, it's a nice car though. Really, really nice car, but nothing exciting. No lane centering. Here's okay. So that was the good stuff. Here's the bad. The bad is, uh, it's a brand new car. The elite version that we drove was fifty eight thousand dollars or something. So it's seven thousand dollars more than a Model Y performance. The mm. top, one, and it doesn't even have lane centering
1: right uh, well, it has it has uh what do, you, what do you call it not lane centering? it does have a, like a yeah ping active pong lane thing. keeping which a means keep when you hit game, the right. line
2: it pushes you back in but yeah, that's not i, I hate that, that useful
1: thing. i always like to turn that off it's really annoying. yeah
2: turn that <laughs> off but leave centering on for the highway so it can just do that i don't know i don't yeah, know how a they could launch a huge miss and like yeah. insane miss um yeah i mean that that just writes the car off my any recommendation list for me because it's a car. It needs to do what cars do in 2024. And right. that's one of the things cars do in 2024. And it just doesn't do that. So the ZDX, the Acura version, which is the longer wheelbase built on the, the Lyric platform, that will have Super Cruise as an option.
1: Do you think is lane centering something that they can bring in after as an over the air update possibly is all the hardware in place to do that kind of thing?
2: I don't know. The Honda engineers did not want to talk to me about that particular topic. I was like, they were like, yeah, no, it does that. And I'm like, but but when someone reads on the spec sheet, active lane keeping, they're going to think that it stays in the middle of the lane like every other car does. And they're like, no, no, that just means when you hit the line, it pushes you back in a little bit. A little bit (laughs) doesn't. I I watched
1: your video last night, and it didn't even do a great job of that, right? You hit that that sound, you know, thing on the side of the. uh,
2: Well, there was a turn coming up, so I decided to just go straight to show the viewers what would happen, and to wake the Honda people up as to how important it is to have lane centering. So I just drove off the road a little bit, and then came back on just to prove a point. Ah, But uh, yeah, so that was annoying. Um, The other thing that. I thought was kind of interesting was that the they used the eighty five kilowatt hour pack, which is the small Blazer pack. The Blazer right. can go up to one hundred five kilowatt hours, I think. So you can get a real big pack in that one. This is using the small one, uh, but it also has pretty good range two hundred six two hundred ninety six mile EPA in the standard car, um, which the standard car, the front wheel drive no option version, is the same price as a Model Y Long Range. Right, and that's it, a you know comes with everything you need. So I right. hate to compare it to Tesla because it's like okay, Tesla really slashed their prices. They're buying market share by lowering prices. All these things, but that so, is the competition. Uh,
1: so, uh, so, I was, so you had a whole section near the end talking about how it compares with the Model Y. But I was thinking, how does it compare with a few other things in that segment, like the uh, like the Hyundai uh, Ionic Five, for instance? Yeah, is it I mean, smaller than that car? Is it is it like a different class? S-
2: This is maybe a little bit wider, a little bit taller. I don't know the exact dimensions. They definitely are someone would be cross-shopping them. But think about this for a second. The Ionic 5 can charge at 240 kilowatts at a DC charger. This can charge at 155, very peak, small time, and then it kind of sits at 120-ish is my understanding. So it has twice the charging speeds in the Mm Ionic. Now, what Honda is pitching this car as is for an existing honda buyer wanting to go electric this is what they told us and they're like this is someone who drives a normal crv then they drive a crv hybrid and they go wow look at what electrification can do and i would say if i drove a crv hybrid look at how crappy electrification is because it only gets me three feet down the road and then the gas engine needs to come on to help with the acceleration electrification sucks that's just my viewpoint Uh, and then they're like, oh, they're going to love their CRV hybrid so much. They're going to switch into the prologue. And what I think is going to happen is very few people are going to do that. I think this is going to bring a lot of new buyers to the Honda brand. And I think they're going to love the car. If you're buying this for a commute, if you're buying this for, you know, just doing the school run or something like that, there's a lot of room. There's a lot of quality. It feels nice. It drives soft and floaty and comfortable. And it's a Honda. So that does bring some uh, confidence to some people's uh, buying decisions. The um, The thing is, they just have to have a good lease on it because it's expensive.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. And then Price someone was, says, I it's... don't know
2: Honda buyers at all. But I literally put two different Honda buyers in the videos to ask them about it. And uh, yeah, both of them loved it. So they, they really thought it was great.
1: Right. I don't know. It sounds like uh, a lot of wishful thinking on behalf of the Honda, like, keeping them in the Honda family, like on the level of the the Mazda Remember, we were at the Mazda program, the Mm MX-30 and, you know, they were talking about this, the spirit of uh, Mazda and all those things. And, you know, they didn't seem like they really understood where the, how their product would hit the market, how, you know, or how the the market would view their product and which ended kind of disastrously for the MX-30, which they don't sell here anymore. Um, You think this is going to do better than that? Hopefully
2: oh yeah this is this is like a really nice nicely competitive electric suv thing uh you know especially the all-wheel drive trims it's like a great i think it's the best looking it's good looking car um until the zdx comes out i think that one's going to be the best looking one so i think like honda and acura design teams nailed it i think the car is spec'd for the average use case of someone buying this car you're going to charge it home most of the time anyway um, it's got more than enough range it's got a 48 amp onboard charger it's got you know the safety stuff at minimum so you don't you know hit the car in front of you and all that good stuff it's people are gonna buy this and they're going to love it they really are but I do think the value if you buy it outright is about seven thousand to ten thousand dollars too expensive
1: right and and that's just like so if we go back to the Hyundai ionic 5 if, if you want to compare it with that, uh, those Hyundai dealers are, and the Hyundai, you know, head office, you can buy they're taking a lot of money off the, off the hood, putting a lot of money on oh, sorry, on the hood of these cars. So if you pull them up on on a car buying website, you can see brand new onics like, like fives like in the mid 30s like no all day long. Um that's a long way from this price tag. Right?
2: Um do-do. Yeah. Yeah. To, to me that's its biggest problem.
1: The price. Yeah, Yeah. it's
3: it's by far like more expensive than other Honda family people movers, you know, and I I mean, I think like this is the specs on this is kind of somewhere around what I was hoping the BZ4X would have been when it came out. Now, of course, it could use a little bit better charging, but um, I didn't expect Toyota to come out and and produce, you know, um, Ionic 5 type charging speeds. Uh, but I, I thought they were going to do a little bit better. This will work for a lot of families. This is, I mean, Honda. somebody made the comment that Kyle doesn't know uh, Honda owners. I'm, I'm not saying he does. I'm not saying he doesn't. But I know many Honda owners are just looking for reliable transportation, something that almost just blends in. It doesn't stand out, but it does everything I need it to do relatively inexpensively with uh it doesn't break down it lasts long and it just kind of all utility is 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 what is what they need and this seems like it can do it i don't think this is the the fact that it doesn't charge at uh you know 250 260 kilowatts is going to be a big problem for this i don't see this as a as a huge road tripper, I think a lot of families that have it will want to take the occasional road trip. And for that, I wish this charging speeds were a little faster. But I think for a big percentage of owners of this, they're going to be charging it at home. And for that, um, the, the, the DC fast charge speed kind of goes away. But what, what kills me on this, uh, I, I like the way it looks. I actually really like the way it looks. I think it's an overall, I haven't driven it yet, but I think it's a really nice package. Um, the price, the price is the killer there. It just it's about, God, it's about $10,000 too expensive. If, if this could have been, you know, eight to $10,000 less, I think that uh, Honda would sell a lot of them. You just, the dealers still can't communicate the value of electrification, of electric drive. That they, right. they, in order for this thing to sell, they need to sit the buyer down, the buyer says, well, I like this, I also like, you know, some of your other offerings but this you know the Prologue's is $8,000 more than whatever X Honda that I'm going to buy. And Dylan needs to say okay that's great but you're you're just focusing on MSRP. Let's just really quickly show you what a 5-year cost of ownership is going to look like and then you can make the decision. I don't care if you buy the the CRV, I don't care if you buy the Prologue. I want you to leave here today with a vehicle, you mm. know, with my name on the sales slip, but I don't care which one you buy. But just so you know, here's what the what both of these are going to look like in 5 years. Until dealers can do that, EVs are always gonna suffer. And I know, uh, you you know, I did a lot of dealership training. I know a lot of salespeople from various dealers that can do that. They can sit down and in five minutes say, okay, I know you were interested in this vehicle and this vehicle, here's what you're gonna look like, your your three to five year running costs. And that makes it more approachable. But when you're just fighting the MSRP, MSRP battle, the EVs are gonna lose. They're, they're no, people are going to say you got to be kidding me eight thousand more for that I like it a little bit more but you know I, I, it's out of my budget when it really would cost them less over three to five years.
0: So. And that's so where keep the monthly mind- price isn't it? it's monthly usually as as say car it's the monthly price that they needs to be a price parity with the combustion stuff they're buying. And ne- I
2: think the lease will These should qualify for the seventy five hundred dollar tax credit by the way uh, as does Tesla's Model Y so mm. you know that that price delta is still there. Um, but, um, yep. So yeah, so even
3: baking in that 7,500 Kyle. I think it's still going to be 40 or $50 more per month than some of the competing vehicles that you could walk out of a Honda dealership with.
2: Sure. Yeah. So then the dealer has to say, are you spending $50 a month in fuel? That's and, the and thing here right there. That's,
3: yeah. that's how you do that math and say, look, you're actually going to be saving your per month on, on fueling and, and maintenance. Um, you know, if you get this, well, really fueling, if it's a new car, there won't be much maintenance. Anyway, so, sorry to cut you off.
2: But yeah, no, but, yeah. Uh, so this, my this my final in. thoughts just on the car sorry. really quick before we get into this conversation is nice car, really nice car. If it's at the Hertz rental lot, it's the first one I'm taking. Oh, so yeah, really really liked it. Yeah. But but I but I think as a value proposition it's it's tough, but it's a really nice car.
1: I, I just want to interject with this thing because uh, I saw this on, on on the Threads yesterday. Gas versus electric, but it's from Ford, but it's not Ford proper like, you know, at Ford. It's like their ride-sharing arm or something, you know, but this is kind of like the, the marketing kind of thing that we'd like to see dealers and automakers do, you know, just like a cost comparison over a bit of time, just you know, a simple graph that people can look at and say, oh, okay, you know, maybe a little, uh, you know, turn on some of our turn on some light bulbs or something, you know? Yeah. Well, that that
3: graphic's useless in my opinion. It doesn't (laughs) talk about how many miles you're driving annually, which is, you know, know, so much. The way I used to do it at the dealerships, and not to to harp on that, was um, I had two graphs, how many miles the customer drove annually, and also I based it on $3 per gallon and $4 per gallon. I gave them two numbers to say, look, Mm -hmm. if gas averages $3 per gallon over the next five years, you'll pay this. If you average $4 per gallon, which could happen, you're gonna pay this. So I gave him two numbers and then compared it to a relatively stable cost of electricity with slight increases. That's the way to do it right.
1: Right. I think it's just, I assume they use like averaged of costs for different things or things. And there was a source you could go and check that stuff out, I guess, but but just for like a quick blast, you know, I don't know. I just, we just don't see any of that from OEMs or, except for like this case, Part of an OEM, like anyway. I used to give
3: the dealers it. Like I, they, I gave them all the documents that they could just put on their desk and show their customers. And half of them just never even took it out of the drawer. The salespeople, you know, yeah. I, I gave them all the tools they needed, but you know, they just wanted the, they wanted you in and out of the dealership as fast as possible and get their commission. They, like I said, I don't care. De- dealers will sell anything. They right. don't hate electric vehicles. They just hate the fact that they're harder to sell, and that's mm-hmm. the p- pain point for them. They, they want you in and out as fast as possible, move on to the next one, sell the next car. If it takes you four hours to convince somebody why they should buy an EV, it's a waste of their time.
0: That, and that's it. almost needs to be a bigger incentive, a bigger commission. Maybe the OEMs either need to kind of give you know or something like working time and a half on a Sunday or something you know, or mm. you know working on a bank holiday so you get a bit more money they almost need to give more commission to the dealers to sell electric vehicles or incentivize those sales girls and guys somehow because as Tom says it's just more difficult at this stage we've gone past in the adoption curve we've gone past the people who you know, I'll paint with broad brushstrokes, probably the people who watch and listen to this podcast, um, and moving on to the next cohort of people who need to sit down with their trusted Honda dealer. They might have bought three or four cars from them or leased them and and have a long time with the vehicle and, you know, walk around it and spend time with it, have it for a day or a weekend. Will electric fit into your life? And those salespeople just want to hit their target and move on because there's good money to be made in selling cars. And um, my thoughts, you know, my thoughts on this, I think it is the best-looking thing with the Altium cells inside it. What's interesting is a lot of the motoring press have been talking about the Altium inside from GM. I don't think the buyer cares less about that. I don't think it's an issue either because they can't make enough Altium cells to get their own vehicles on. But Honda keeps saying, we will get 40,000 cars worth... This year, that's the contract. That's what GM will deliver. GM can't deliver 10,000 cars worth to themselves. So why are, they, why are they prioritizing a customer than themselves? Well, there's got to be a contract in place that there must be some pretty steep penalties if they don't, you know, as in uh, these are the fines or whatever. So Honda, very con- and they took 70,000 worth in 2025. I think that's interesting. And remember, you are lucky because we get the Honda ENY1, which is awful it is oh is it really oh it's got a 60 kilowatt hour battery it peaks at 78 kilowatts dc fast charging if you can hit the peak if it if all the planets are aligned and you stand on one leg you might hit that but you're going to charge around 60 kilowatts and there's two specs on that either 45,000 or 48,000 pounds sterling wow. now that in dollars that's what 55 58 i don't know but that's but, a
2: honda designed
0: car isn't it yes so so here's what
2: i don't understand why not? Even if it's crap, why didn't they bring that to the U.S.?
0: Well, uh, yeah, because they know it's crap. Because they know no one's going to buy the the Honda ENY1. It's just an awful, or and and that's the frustrating thing is they let their engineers go wild and make the Honda E, and then they follow it up with the terrible ENY1, which is just it charges slowly. It's just a terrible car, and then it, there's nothing ridiculous. It's not terrible because all new cars. Go- I, let me let me let me make sense of that. <laughs> all new cars now are spectacular. If you think about the cars that we grew up driving, or you know, or a parent's generation, depending on your age, all new cars that you get now, uh, maybe one or two aren't fantastic, but all new cars are brilliant. So the new Honda E N Y One will do a job for you, but it's a bit like. Yeah, I owned my first two Renault Zoe's didn't have DC charging, and it suited us because we, oh, I can AC charge, that is fine. and it. But you can't have it as your only vehicle, and so there's nothing redeeming about it. And I remember growing up, and Dad had two Accords. Um, and maybe, first we had a Civic, then we had two Accords. And there was always sort of a buzz around owning Hondas. We've owned three Hondas. I mean, I'm talking about when I was a teenager and stuff. And, you know, you had, like, the VTEC engines. You had the success in Formula One. There was something interesting and sizzly about this Ah, oh, this engine revs to like a bazillion revs and it's fantastic and 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 it was a honda and we we're so excited to have them and I, I grew up you know in the back seat you with know, a you know being ferried around in them so i got a real soft spot for hondas but it's so disappointing that they followed up the e with the eny1 and then they go to gm to get this done but we know that, that we know that, that 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 love affair is over now, and this is the end of it. As Kyle says, it'll be this weird anomaly in car history,
1: mm-hmm.
0: one and, and done. It, it's such a shame. By the way, the Ultium thing I don't think is a problem. I think I also seen some commentary this week of people saying, "Oh, you know, boy, the Ultium stuff sounds like a real nightmare." And I don't think I have n- no worries. By the way, that the cells which pass quality assurance that make their way either into GMs or Hondas are absolutely rock solid. I don't think they can make enough of them of the highest quality, but I think the ones they pass are very good. We just know they can't make enough of them this year or next year.
1: so John Volker, our friend John Volker, had a an article in Inside EVs yesterday, uh, kind of addressing some of that. So he's been talking to a lot of uh, GM people inside, and he's saying the Ultium factory is actually doing really good. The, like the cell manufacturer is fine; they're up to speed. They're you know producing as many as they can handle right now. It's been the machine that stuffs those cells into uh, into modules. And actually, in this article, he goes they go into a lot of detail exactly what the issue with, uh, you know, they've been talking about the modules having problems for a while. But in this article, you know, you can really get to, into the nitty gritty of what the issue is there. And it seems to be sorted out. And they have a, they have a lot of confidence that they're going to be able to, you know, supply 40,000, you know, vehicles to Honda and then hit their own numbers as well. They have, like, pretty big goals for this year, but they only really kick in,
0: like, halfway through it, I think. But that, that would be my... I know that you're being very kind to GM there. Yeah. And that's my argument against where they've really screwed up, is that they might say, oh, we can make enough of the cells, we just can't get the equipment to, whatever you just described, stuff them or pack them or make them into modules. modules, Into modules, yeah. Or whatever. But that is part of making the cells... If True. you're going to be the big boy and do it yourselves, right. and that's right. that was the difference. They might, say, oh, we've got the partnerships and all that kind of stuff, but we're going to do it ourselves. We are GM, we do it ourselves, and 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 that was, I'm sure, for lots of good business reasons, either costs or heritage, and and they, you know, they're, they're a, a proud engineering company, all those reasons. But they might say, well, we're making them, we just can't, you know, finish them. Well, that's no good to anyone. So, congratulations right. on having a big story. You know, sticking them all in the cupboard under the stairs until you get that equipment. That's all part of it, and you need to get all those things lined up. And I'm not pretending it's easy, but that's where the Chinese have got it sorted. Um, and if you if you look back, you look back at when you know Tesla bought Groman years ago. Never talk about that company. They never talk about the German company they bought to enable them to make the machines that make the machines. Right? Um, right. They never hid it, but they never they never talked about their what was the cost like eight five, six, seven, eight years ago when they bought they bought that company. And, that, you know, Groman used to work with all of the big German, or many of the big German car makers mm-hmm. on manufacturing equipment. Tesla bought them, canceled the contracts. You make stuff for us now because we own you. And, and they sorted out all the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the labor stuff. And that's been very, very successful. And other companies have gone to China and gone, we can't do it. So can you sell us the equipment to do that? So I know you're being kind to GM, but yeah. if you can't finish the process, you can't do any of it. Uh, sure. you can make lots of cells. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, it, right, and as Ed, Idra mentions, hit uh, GM seems to have more ultimate success in China than the US because they didn't have this problem different with cells manufacture. They, had, same, they used yeah, different cells. It's they same use,
0: brand. It's the same branding, but it's different chemistry, different right. cells.
1: And I'm not exactly sure how they work the modules because they did do some. I think they did do some pouch cells. Um, so I'm not sure why their machine, their module stuffing machines worked in China, but not here, but whatever it seems to be sorted now. Well, I guess we'll have to see. I don't know if but it's uh, sorted yet. Oh, I don't Tom, think it you is.
3: mentioned you mentioned uh, John's article. I definitely I put a link in it in the, think- the comment section here. After the podcast, check it out, guys. It's a really good article. John spent over a month researching that because he reached out to me on a couple of occasions while he was writing it and we talked about some of the things. Um that's one good thing about John. He doesn't just sit down and write an article. He researches, he 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 calls people, he sends emails. This is like a 3,000 word um, you know, uh, diary on what happened with GM with the cells and 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 their and their manufacturing problems and why, you know, they had these lofty goals of having, was it 300 or 400,000 EVs on the road by the end of 2023 and like, you know,
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, that. there's a
3: couple thousand <laughs> Ultiums on the road. That's it. Uh, so yeah, check that article. It's a really good article. John put a lot of work into it and he's a pro. So, um, we, we recommend it here for sure.
1: All right. Um, all right, so let's move on. Um, Kyle, your out of specs review channel also had a really great review. Uh, not a review a reviews channel had a great video from Jordan doing a 70 mile an hour range test in the Tesla model X plaid. Um, I just wanted to mention that because it's a pretty fun video and people might be interested in checking that out i don't know if there's anything you want to say about it yeah it didn't do
2: as well as we thought it would actually uh, okay. but then i did it in the 10 percent challenge and it crushed it it was great so that video will go up later today
1: okay so if you're interested in tesla model x performance what it can do apparently on the 20 inch a 20 inch wheels in your test it did 286 miles or something which is you know the, the epa is 326 so it's Not so far away from that at 70 miles an hour. Yeah,
2: I feel like the long-range Model X in similar conditions did another 15 or 20 miles above it. I didn't think there was going to be that big of a difference to the Plaid because there's only a couple-mile EPA difference. Um, But again, different days, different conditions. I don't know. Um, This was actually a fresher car than the long-range, so you never know. But Jordan ran it well below zero, used up all the pack, did it properly, and it was all good.
1: I haven't had a chance to actually watch the whole video, but I saw some comments, and I think Jordan probably crushed this this one. So I really kind of need to watch it and take notes.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen it the, the whole thing either, so not sure. All right, all right. But uh, good. So
1: other neat things happening at Out of Spec this week: you put up an unboxing video, and the thing you unboxed was this massive DC fast charger from X Charge that has over two hundred kilowatt hours of battery storage i think i have that right so that sounds like a pretty awesome charger so how much power does that thing put out and what have any cool features what do you plan on doing with that
2: so uh yeah this is the xcharge net zero series it is a 233 kilowatt hour gross 207 kilowatt hour usable um battery integrated dc fast charger essentially it's a totally different concept to the autel 240 kilowatt that we already have and some other ones that are coming that just you know hook up to the grid and take shore power and jam jam the cars this uh uses the battery in many different ways and it also actually supports it's the first vehicle to grid charger that we're installing uh so we can actually do bi-directional stuff which will be kind of cool so um The net zero series is uh, we have um, roughly 200 kilowatt output to a vehicle, and it only takes about 30 or 40 kilowatts from the grid. And we we, it's actually totally expandable. We already have, so we're installing this in the front of our office at CSU Powerhouse, and we have uh, a one-inch conduit running out there, so we can only go to the maximum uh, fill of that conduit without tearing up the parking lot. We have a secondary conduit that feeds our level two EVSE, uh, you know, our charging station out in front of the building, but I don't want to just have DC only. So we could set this to do like another 15 or 20 kilowatt peak power, but I don't think we need to do that. I think we're just going to go one, uh, I think roughly a 30 kilowatt connection. Uh, it's four eighty that we're running out there plug it into the battery pack it can charge up the battery whenever it needs to when a car plugs in i think everyone knows the idea it's going to take the grid power plus the battery power or just the battery power if it's a time we don't want the charger taking anything and it will charge the vehicle it has 200 amp cables but i learned we can boost those to 400 amps and it just relies on temperature sensors to derate if things get hot um, so that's good. So 400 amp charging, that's acceptable. Um, matches our Autel unit, 400 amp uh, cables over there. So very excited about this one. We're going to be able to backfeed the building uh, to reduce our demand charges when I'm running the other DC charger. So I'm going to have it set to when the Autel plugs in and comes above 100 kilowatts, start sending the battery from this one into the building so i don't nice. hit demand charges as much nice. and it's going to require some software and integration we'll have all the screens and we have a couple other dc chargers in the works uh, that are coming very soon um so power we're, we're going big on the install should happen hopefully over the next month next month's going to be crazy um with travel so i i'm gonna i have to be there when everyone installs it because i want to film the process so mm-hmm. I might be holding it up again just because there's oh. so many things going on in March, but we'll see. We're going to try and get this installed. The X-charge is easy. We just we already have the existing conduit. We just need to run the cables, plug the damn thing in, drill it into the ground, and we're
0: done. <laughs> you make nice. it sound like <laughs> like you could do it. Who on yeah. earth in, who <laughs> on earth do you make the call to even begin talking about installing these things? Cuz it's not everyone's trained to do this. Or, or are they? No, not really. And
2: and it's also you need someone who can not only just install it, but then commission it and set it up properly and understand the intricacies of all of this. And so we've settled down to three companies in our bidding process. Um, and and my criteria is different than a normal DC charger. Of course, cost is a factor, but I'm looking for the highest amount of educational content with a partner. So the first is Win Marion. They're a DC charger, uh, actually an oil and gas company that's now getting into EV charging. They're actually based here in Colorado, not too far away. And they're sort of our local, um, you know, EV infrastructure installers. They just did a huge project in Aspen, doing all of their electric bus chargers and everything. So that's one. The second is Owl Services. Owl Dud uh, does a lot of EV goes. They did the most of the Pilot Flying J EV go installation sites and a few others. And uh, you know they do, I think, some Tesla superchargers, some other things as well. And then the last one is Q Merit, which is Tom's main sponsor at State of Charge. And Q Merit wouldn't be the ones doing the install, but they would contract someone uh, to help us through that process as well. So we're those are the three we've gone to. And we're just waiting on the final bids back from all three.
0: Tom, how jealous are you, are you of one of these not being in your driveway?
2: <laughs> you know, so um,
0: I think I've
3: told you guys a story where I tried to get a DC fast charger at my house. Um, but the utility wanted to charge me $28,000 to, oh, to bring the power to my house. I had right. a company to give me a DC fast charger and the utility was like, yeah, um, you're not even a good customer of ours. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you have solar, you, you you don't buy much of our electricity. If you were a good customer and you purchased a lot, we could absorb the cost and then maybe do like a monthly payment and and pay it out. But they're like, you, you pay us like $20 a month. We're gonna we're gonna do a thirty thousand dollar install for you for free. Hell no! So I couldn't get it, but yeah, no, that's really cool. But I mean, the fact that he, Kyle has it, like, I mean, I can just go out there anytime I want and play with it. Like he can come here, so you know, it's the next best thing. It's getting done. I can play around with it, and and I don't have to I don't have to pay for it or even deal with it. Uh, so it's all getting done with. Kyle's expense, <laughs> but,
1: but, but if you had, if you got one like this, like this X charge one with the onboard batteries, you wouldn't need the big extra power, right? So from, the, from the, yeah. you know, you? I,
3: I kind of would, um, Okay, you, you know, well, it depends on how much you wanted to use it. And it depends how yeah. it was set up. You know, I have single phase electric here at my house. Um, I don't know what Kyle what's your setup there is it 277 volt or is yeah it we got 208? we got
2: four, 480 and 208 so we have 208 277 and 408 in the building
3: yeah so I mean what's the power it, yes it could be done here Dom but it would require probably a step up transformer uh, additionally um, you know anything can be done if you want to spend money on it but uh, it's, it's just not, you know, it's not worth it for my house. I mean, that's a little ridiculous. Kyle's got the perfect setup where it's his office, but he's also kind of in a public space there where, you know, in addition to him, I don't know what his policy is going to be letting other people use it or whatever, but there it's, it's going to get use, you know, it's not just going to be when Kyle comes and use it. If it was at my house, like, I'm not letting people drive up my driveway in dc fast charge you know hey,
2: tom's new public charging location meredith would love that Amazing. it's sketchy enough going to like a uh, you know back of a walmart at midnight you know Can
3: you imagine waking up and there's someone
0: you know having a cigarette in my driveway while they're charging eating and throwing their shit all on my driveway you know well, uh, <laughs> is it about, it's about a sorry. month sorry but since i asked uh you have you had any more thoughts on the business model for if you let somebody use this what you would charge how you would cover costs i'm sure lots of people watching this right now would love to come they didn't even go out of their way to go and use the out of spec charger they might bump into one of the gang that they've seen on on the youtube videos but yeah. um but how do you how do you even begin to have you had any thoughts on that
2: yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So it's important to remember our initial motivation for wanting to install DC charging and it is all research. It is. We want to take on the burden of owning, installing, you know, and running this equipment, maintaining it so that our viewers can learn what we have to go through because a lot of people don't have 480 at their home. And you can, of course, get it with Transformers. Anything's possible. I know people who have a DC Mm. Charger at their house. He owns a Rolls Royce Spectre. He's like, I need a DC Charger (laughs) for the 100 miles I drive a year. And so I'm like, what? this guy's crazy. Uh, But, you know, people are wild. So anything's possible, first of all. Um, The next thing is the school's parking lot. So we're at the CSU powerhouse, which is like the innovation lab for Northern Colorado. A lot of crazy, you know, we, I start seeing steam come out of the labs around us. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Um, but, but, During the hours that the building is rocking, there's no room to put any cars in that parking lot. So that leaves like after hours and weekends, which I want it to be open to whoever wants to use it. And, um, you know, this net zero charger that we're putting up front, that's going to be the DC charger that is going to be semi-public or pretty public. And I think we're just going to keep it free for the first while. And if it doesn't cost us much, we'll just keep it free and just let everyone charge. We might keep it free, but then impose an idle fee because an issue we have with the level twos is we're so close to downtown that some people like arrive there in the morning, plug Mm -hmm. in their car, and then we see them walk away with a backpack. And we're like, but everyone else in the building needs to charge too. And so we have a three hour maximum parking limit for our level two, but no one respects that. Uh, So I think we might say, you know, we'll play around with it, but at least initially, I'm just going to keep it free. Let's see what happens. Monitor see how everyone uses it, report on that, and then see if a pricing model changes the behavior of people. So we'll be able to have you know a month of data one way, a month of data with a certain pricing. And our goal is not to make any money. It's just to encourage as many people to charge their cars as possible on there, so...
1: Yeah, Gar- Gary Clark with the jokes. I would stop by regularly just to recover my acai costs from the last three years. <laughs> yep. Gary's
2: a long time viewer and a great guy. And yes. So the thing is, you know, if, if you're a viewer and I'm there, cause I'm not there very often, I'm always traveling, but if I'm there, I want everyone to experience whatever we can show all the chargers. You know, if a colleague is there, they'll bring you around back, plug into the big boy chargers that we're installing back there that I haven't mentioned yet. And so We'll we'll get there, but in about two years, all of this will be solved because we're uh, CSU is building a new building next door, and who oh. knows what will happen in two years. But we, I want to build like a giant uh, island, essentially that we put chargers all around that we can all plug in and play around with, and that should be public.
1: That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So, are there a lot of people at CSU that use um, that have electric v- EVs right now that could use them? To...
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Actually, a lot of Leafs. Like, you know, it's a college. So like the Leaf is the official, you know, professor car, uh, which oh, would is be it? like an yeah. old first gen Leaf that's dying, you know, like falling apart. Like you, all the Leafs have like duct tape all over them in the parking lot. They're all just, you know, trashed. But I own one too. So I guess it adds up. Um, those, um, the the problem is we'll have the level two for them to charge. Of course, we won't have Chatamo on this charger, but I do have the CCS to Chatamo adapter coming. Um, so if there's a way that I can permanently link it to the charger, we'll allow people to use that. It, ultimately, it's like for the school, for staff and students, um, this is an experimental charger. They're, everyone's there to research and do things. We're all in. We're all super savvy from a public use case. We just don't really want people there like during school hours clogging up the parking lot. So I'm not going to brand it as a public charger or anything. But for right. our viewers, come on by.
1: Right. Max Patton with Leaf is the new Volvo 240, right? The professor's yes. car. Yeah. Yep. Or actually, actually, he says actually Saab. Okay. Either <laughs> of, either yeah. of those are good answers, I think. Yeah. Um, all right. Tom, last week uh, we talked about you going to Texas to analyze a Tesla Model Y owner's charging meltdown kind of situation. Uh, but now that video is up and you have a whole write-up on Inside EVs. Uh, maybe, I don't know if you want to give us like a really condensed version of that situation and tell us whether you've decided for sure whether or not you want to do more of these cases. Uh, like, And if so, like how, how do people get in touch with you or should they get in touch with you yet or all that stuff?
3: Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um, first up, I want to say Manuel asked in the comment section if I'm going to the Rivian R2 event. Um, I'm not. I was invited, but I really talked to Rivian and it doesn't seem like I'm going to get much alone time with the vehicle. I said, I just need you to carve out 20 minutes where no one will be around it so I could shoot a video and whatever. And they're like, yeah, we don't know if we're going to be able to do that. There's, there's going to be a lot of people and so forth and so on. So I basically said, okay, then I'm not I'm not going. So no, I'm not going to the event. You won't be able to really do much there. It's, it's like a reveal event. I think Kyle's going um, or someone from out of spec. So um, if he gets some good, uh, some good info or good video on it, maybe he will share it with me and I'll make a video of me talking over his content, <laughs> but, um, uh, in any event, no. So, all right, getting back to this. So Dom, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it actually, that, um, that video really worked out well. Um, you know, I think I'm at like 45,000 views, which is pretty Ooh. good so far. Um, overall, the comments were I- incredibly positive and in saying, you've got to do more of these. I mean probably 200 people said, Tom, please do more of these. So yeah, I'm going to do more of them. I haven't figured out exactly how I'm going to do it, how frequently I'm going to do it. Um, but you know, maybe the goal is one a month. Um, you know, as far as I haven't worked out exactly where people can show me their their issues. There's no shortage of issues though. Cause I see them just if I, I go to like Facebook groups, people post them themselves. They're like, look at what happened to my house. What should I do? You know what I mean? I could just message those people and say, don't do anything. I'll be there in two days, you know what I mean? And it won't cost you anything. So that's one way. Um, but I'll probably set up an email address um, and we'll talk about it here on the show and I'll post it on my other uh, social channels that look, if you come across a serious problem, send me some pictures and uh, maybe I'll 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 come to your house. I want to do different things though. That's the thing, like I don't want to keep doing the same issue. So I have to find, uh, you know, different weird issues that have happened because of, of Chevy, um, construction and inferior, uh, equipment. So yeah, I'm going to pick this up and do, uh, and do more series of it. It worked out really well. Um, you know, uh, Ryan's super happy that we did everything and, uh, you know, he's charging his, his, um, his model Y and everything worked good with that. So, um, yeah. Um, I mean, as you saw, if, for those that watch the video, there were multiple problems there, there was like three or four different points in the house where things were done incorrectly and they all failed at one point or another. Like, Brian had had people to his house three different times, electricians, before we came and just fixed everything, and the electricians just kind of put Band-Aids on it. They were just kind of like, I mean, I'm guessing, they're like, yeah, that's not my work, I really don't like that, but he called me to fix this, so I'm just gonna fix this here, and then that held for a little while, then that broke, and we just kind of ripped everything out and, and put everything in properly, and uh, he should have no problems, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, we'll continue that series. Um, as far as w- what I'm working on now, I just posted an unusual video for my channel.
2: Um, right. but oh, but it was great. Time. I yeah. loved it. It was <laughs> I actually I can't remember if I was watching it this morning or last night, yeah. but I either went to sleep watching it or woke up watching it and it, I couldn't stop. It was amazing.
3: <laughs> so I reviewed an electric snowblower. Um, yeah, 20, i have a, Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah, it's a I'm 20. Going, I'm just going to say a 28 inch ego two stage monster snowblower. And you have like a great get up, too. I've, I've never seen you wear that. <laughs>
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't fool around. You know, I'm not going out there and <laughs> getting
3: soaked and frozen and everything. I've got like full on like Gorman's Fisherman rain gear when I do
0: my. Uh, when. when, when
3: when I work outside, guys, I'm prepared. I got the waterproof Wait. boots. You see at the bottom, it's really wrapped tightly around the boot. So no yeah. slush or anything is getting underneath my. Uh- can
2: Can <laughs> someone make a cutout of Tom holding the snowblower here, this thing? Because I want to sell it as a sticker in our new merch store.
3: Well, I have like six versions of it, Kyle. I'll send you them all and you just pick the one you want. Yeah, we're
2: we're selling a to Tom with a snowblower uh, on our merch site. That's launching soon.
0: All right. That's a great
1: idea, actually.
0: So yeah, um, I, I, I got to say there's there's something of the almost Mankini Borat's you know sort of that that one that, that onesie piece that yeah. got. I noticed that too and I was hoping nobody picked up on that but I guess but <laughs> you've got going on that I just I mean, I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying well, well hey oh you, know, if, uh,
3: you know if someone's willing to pay the right amount I could wear that blue onesie if uh, you know. <laughs> state of charge only fans here we go
0: i
1: love it that's, that's a great it. looking bolt, yeah. bolt behind you though though i like that yeah. color that's awesome
3: so yeah i i i, I had a uh the ego 24 inch snowblower which was previously ego makes like like 10 different snow throwing things and okay. last year i bought the 24 inch which was a smaller one two stage really good snowblower um, and it had the the 7.5-amp-hour batteries, which were the best at the time when that first came out. And I couldn't finish my driveway doing it. This year, they came out with the bigger snowblower, the 28-inch. It's got a whole bunch of other options, too. Uh, really good, powerful snowblower with new batteries that are 12-amp-hour. So I was like, okay, I think I can... These will actually do my whole driveway. I won't have to stop halfway, recharge them, and, and finish it. So I got this new snowblower. A uh, good friend of mine bought my my 28-inch one, for my 24-inch snowblower for me because he always wanted it. He's like, if you ever get rid of that, let me know. <laughs> I sold it to him for a really good price. But he didn't need the batteries because Ego's ecosystem of, of components, of all their tools, use the same interchangeable batteries. They're just all different variations of how powerful they are. And he already had, ego like like lawnmowers with the, he's like, I don't need your batteries. Just sell me the snowblower. So Ooh. now I have my old batteries, that's them charging and the new batteries. So I set out, I said, I want to see if I could do this driveway. I've got a huge driveway. It's like 6,300 square feet. It's 320 feet long. Um, you know, it opens up to a big circle atop my driveway. So I wanted to see if I could do it with the new snow blower and the new batteries. We got a snowfall about eight inches, but it was heavy, wet snow. And I got about 93% done before the batteries died. So I didn't, I couldn't do the whole driveway. Right. But then as I'm editing the video, like three or four days later, we got another snowstorm. It was three inches of like light powder. So I quickly put on the, uh, you know, Gordon's Fisherman outfit again, went outside. I did the whole driveway. It, this time it did everything. And when I opened up the battery box to see how much there was, it was still like fifty percent charged. So nice. the, you know it was the fact that this was heavy wet snow that you see me blowing there that really used a lot more energy. So my answer is yes, this snowblower can do my whole driveway um, without having to stop and recharge it. Um, but <laughs> now good. I have the second battery cell, so I just swap them. I don't have to recharge them. But it depends on how deep and how heavy the snow is. So I'm all set. I love it works great the only thing that that i'm disappointed is it's got these cheap flimsy plastic handles and -hmm. there's an opening down the center of the handles because it has heated grips so they instead of making solid plastic handles they open the middle so you'd get more heat through the the grips and that made them super weak and i broke it already on the second time i used it so i i like i wish i was good at 3d printing i would 3d print like new handles that are thicker and solid because i don't really I, I didn't use the heated handle thing you know i don't need that right but anyway there that's, is. And that's cool, right though. when it i is. ran out right there that's how far oh. i got only that little part at the top of the driveway so i couldn't do close. i did everything else that's what i'm saying i'm like so ah, i was so close <laughs> i mean but that's
1: that's a ton of heavy snow and so i think i think it's done pretty well what's the uh, battery capacity on that I don't
3: I, you know honestly they don't even tell you what the full capacity is. Ooh. I'm sure I could look it up in the specs. It's fifty-six volt and um they talk about the cells, the amp hour of the cells it's kind of like how BMW used to talk <laughs> right, about yeah. their batteries. Remember? <laughs> yeah. Like so um, you know, that the, the the they have two point five amp hour, five amp hour, seven, uh ten, and now twelve. And I'm sure
1: next okay. year oh, they'll 12. have fifteen okay. or eighteen. So um, that's so six hundred and
2: seventy-two watt hours per cell.
1: Was, yeah, fifty-six so. 56 so you have volts? basically, yeah,
2: um, yeah, how, how that many would just cells be the number. There, so, though? uh, well, I think each one is a cell. So I think you yeah. have roughly a kilowatt hour and a half, one point five kilowatt hours total, because you're using I know, two cells.
3: I saw the cutaway of the uh, of the of the batteries. They use it looks like twenty-one mm-hmm. seventies.
2: Right, sure. but uh, the, the, each each 2170 wouldn't be 12 amp hours. Right. So I think yeah, they are saying no, but the total unit. of the pack
3: would be. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's
2: the pack it, it, it would just be a guess, but 1. 1.4, 1. 1.5 um, kilowatt hours. I'm not sure what would be usable, but it's, it, yeah, that right. actually seems like a pretty efficient use of a kilowatt hour yeah.
3: well, to do like your whole batteries driveway. You need two batteries. Yeah, you well, they're 600 it, yeah, watt hours yeah. each.
1: Yeah. oh yes, you so knew before. there was two i didn't know you yeah. did the math yeah. already
3: with the two yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah
1: he's quick he's quick that kyle i watched you know. the video i love the video
0: <laughs> i really
2: really love the video So i was like this guy needs to review like everything
0: amazing right? so what would what would be uh what would be the alternative tom we're not doing this electric we don't, we don't get weather typically apart from maybe in scotland like this so what would normally would it be like a a petrol thing or what would you normally use yeah, so uh, when,
3: for years when I had my Toyota Tacomas, I had a plow. I, I would plow oh, my okay. driveway. And I did have uh, a snowblower for a while, too, that I used to use sometimes to just clean things up. Um, but I, 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 I decided, I don't know, six years ago, whatever, to just get all the gas off the property. And uh, I had everything. I mean, I had backpack leaf blowers, trimmers, chainsaws, everything. I gave it all to my friends. And now um, the great thing about Ego, like I said, was now I'm um, I'm I'm searching for the right um, blower and uh, and chainsaw, and I have the batteries. The batteries are the most expensive part of it. So so you know, um, yeah, he's pr- 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 that sounds about right. So but now that I have the batteries, uh, I can buy the t- the tools for like half price. Like if you buy the twenty inch ego chainsaw, it's like six hundred bucks, but if you get it without the batteries, it's like. Two ninety nine 99 or something, you know, it's like half price. So now I can buy all these, the ego ecosystem of, of stuff. Cause I need a chainsaw here. I just, I have like over a hundred trees on my property and now I just bought the property next door and there's another hundred trees over there. So I'm always going to be Ooh, trimming yeah. stuff. And, um, and and the blower i'm going to get so uh, i don't know if i'll do vi- reviews on them maybe the chainsaw i might do a review on but i'd be um, curious we'll about see.
1: the chainsaw review personally you know i have yeah. i have an electric one but it's got a cord so i can only go so far i can't go to the edges of my property and use it yeah. which sucks when when hurricane
3: sandy hit whatever years ago 2012 there's so many trees fell down here it was, you couldn't get out of my block to like the main roads so i took my chainsaw i had a gas chainsaw and i started cutting because the trees were completely across the street so i started cutting them like just here and here just wide enough to fit a car through because the wood was so heavy i couldn't pull it off the road if i didn't if i cut a a big section and then one of my neighbors joined me so the two of us just kept cutting the trees all the way out till we (laughs) could get to the main road and we like you know got ourselves out so i always want to have a chainsaw here just in case because there's so Mm -hmm. many trees here you never know what what you're going to need it for and now I mean, the problem with that is I didn't use it frequently. So if, if, you, if you let a power tool that's a gas powered just sit in your garage for two years, it, yeah. it, it usually doesn't start, you know, unless you really, <laughs> you know, drain the gas, you know, lubricate, take the plug out, lubricate it, really take care of it. But have to, you forget to do that sometimes. And that's what's great about this, these electric. All you have to worry about is the battery is keeping them at the right state of charge, keeping them not too hot. Don't store them in the attic of your garage where it gets 150 degrees in the summer. You know, keep them in a cool place, keep them at like 50% charge. And these batteries, the Ego batteries, they have, um, like if you charge them to 100%, you would think, oh God, a lot of people are going to charge them and then they'll sit all winter. And I didn't know this, but I learned if you charge them to 100%, after like a month or so, they self- deplete to oh. like 50% nice. so nice. that they'll hold themselves at like 50% for a long time. So they won't be holding for at a hundred percent. You wow. won't be ruining the cell. So it's pretty good. They make, they make good stuff. I'm, I'm psyched about this because now I know this can handle my driveway without a problem. Mm.
1: Well, Joe O'Connor over on Twitter says, uh, Tom would like to see the equipment reviews <laughs> and I'm sure others would too. And yep. So speaking for the whole world, Absolutely. I'll see when I get a chainsaw S- over to summer.
0: Someone in the S- comments says stick a snowplow on the Rivian. and that would look cool. That would look very yeah, That would, would look look cool. But cool. let me ask ChatGPT to make that image for me.
1: Oh no. All right. So what are you doing that, it's let's uh yesterday. Martin is actually Chat GPT. That's why he's so good. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Right.
2: <laughs>
3: oh, and Don, before you jump on, you're talking a sure. bit about what I'm up to. And what I'm doing oh. right now is actually a review of this new uh, uh charger you see behind me. So yeah, it's which it's is the, what the, it's called the EVQ. It's a, it's a new brand. Um, it's but uh, I'm pleasantly surprised. So the video is almost done. It'll be up on my channel in a few days. Uh, it's uh it's it's a good option and and it's going to go on my recommended list. So um, keep an eye out for that uh, review uh, within uh, probably over the weekend. I'll have it up.
2: Apparently, ChatGPT yes. doesn't know we're supposed to push snow forward, <laughs> not yeah. just slice through it. <laughs> that
3: that's the Rivian's got the
2: He's doing the sidewalk, Kyle.
1: <laughs> yeah, that Rivian's got, got a blower and it's also got like the, the prologue yeah, yeah. headlights.
2: Got a freaking supercharger sticking out right there. That's awesome. What's that? <laughs> that actually looks great. That looks very cool. There's the new R2, <laughs> by the way. If anyone's curious what it looks like, that's it. We just <laughs> unveiled it today. Yeah. <laughs> all
1: right, all right. So big news this week. Uh, I just this just came up. I just noticed it yesterday, but AutoWeek reported that GM has canceled an, a compact electric pickup truck program, along with a full-size van based on the BrightDrop delivery van, what? and is instead. I know it's instead rushing to develop a plug-in hybrid Chevy Silverado and uh, GMC Sierra. Not yeah, well, only that, idea. right. That That is, that is a good idea. Not only that, but according to the same report, Ford has placed EV versions of the Maverick and Bronco on hold, at least until the early thirties. So this is auto week. So it's a, I think a pretty respected, you know, publication. I don't think they're going to put out just rumors that they have some sources telling them this. So, I, w- I would, you know, I make use a grain of salt, obviously, because we don't have official word, but this it sounds like this is actually what's happening behind the scenes there, and like you said, yeah, GM plug-in hybrid pickup truck, great idea. Rams doing that as well, but I don't know. So my take on this, I don't know why, I don't know, I don't think it makes sense to just jump into the plug-in electric pickup. Uh, at the expense of a compact truck that would own that segment for years like nobody else has a compact pickup truck coming that we know about and um so if you well, maybe that, that
2: shows you that no one thinks there's interest in one
1: or maybe there's not enough profit in it uh, you know i think there's i think there's a lot of a fair amount of interest but is there enough margin if is there enough profit in it compared to what you might be able to get with a plug-in hybrid full-size truck I'd... i don't know
2: I've never understood the benefit of a small pickup truck. Personally, I like uh, to drive the Maverick around because it's like kind of fun, but in America, we got big roads. We got space. You know, if I drive a Silverado, even with a long bed, you know, an eight foot bed dually or whatever, at least here, I'm not, it's, I could do everything I do in my smart car with that truck. If you live in New York city or in an urban environment, yeah, small truck definitely makes sense, but um, I don't know. I do want to see a small, like a Maverick electric or something like that. But what is the size of Ford's T3? Isn't that supposed to be smaller than a F-150?
1: I think that's full size. Tom?
2: Is it full size?
1: Tom, you know the T3? So sorry, uh, I was on mute. So no,
3: they they haven't released the size. We we, we assume it's going to be a, smaller than an F-150, but oh, really? they haven't. Okay. Ford's been pretty tight-lipped on officially saying what 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 size it's going to be um but uh, i think a lot of people expected to have a, a smaller bev option uh when when this new platform comes out we'll say you know i mean toyota sells i don't know how many tacomas they sell in the u.s every year it's got to be three hundred thousand or something like that there's yeah hugely there's, popular yeah i mean yeah there, there, there's there there's a market for that and uh, to but Kyle's i wouldn't spike. say that's
2: a small truck i'm thinking maverick uh, yeah, yeah which maverick so, had a lot of demand because it was priced really well and very efficient
3: yeah no i gotcha, i gotcha. and 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 yeah. it was it used to be small kyle <laughs> when, right when yeah i used bought be, yeah. my first tacoma in like 88 <laughs> sure. or whatever or 89 it was a small pickup truck it just keeps every year it gets an inch bigger um but uh so do all vehicles uh, it, you know it, this this move this uh you know, seeming pulled back by GM and Ford, really is puzzling to me. You know, I mean, it's on one hand, it is on one hand, it isn't. I really think that these companies are doing it at their own peril. Uh, I I think they're being more concerned with quarterly profits and and worrying about, you know, the pitchforks coming out, the shareholders meetings, because make no mistake about it, this transition to electrification is gonna be extremely painful. For, for all the, the, the legacy brands. Extreme, the amount of investment they need to make. Look at how much money GM spent on Ultium and how difficult it is for them. And and Ford putting together a whole team of people to, to improve their software and come up with a whole, you know, in-house software platform. Uh, I think that they started understanding that they're gonna be pouring so much money into you know, electric vehicles and the connected cars, that that they're going to have difficulty with their quarterly profits and their and their stockholders. And I think that's driving this, say, pullback more than anything. Um, and and the, what I'm what I fear, and I, I don't, you know, I mean, I like Ford and GM, uh, but I, I'm not afraid for them in particular. I'm afraid for American manufacturing because this, the other manufacturers in the other countries are are not going to hold back. You know, China. The, the 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 Korean brands, they're just going to keep forging forward with good quality, fully electric vehicles, and we're we're not going to be able to just turn a switch in twenty thirty 2030 or twenty thirty two and say, okay, yeah, now you know a lot of a lot more people want electric vehicles now, so now let's start doing it. As you could see, GM thought they would just flip a switch and develop this platform, and oh, it'd be wonderful and great, and we're going to have four hundred thousand of these things on the road in a year and a half, and you know they got like. 30,000 of them on the road now if that 20,000 c- combined on all ultium vehicles um, and Ford struggling with software. so uh, that's my biggest concern is that th- th- this pullback is is gonna is gonna hurt the brand's longevity and it could be an existential mistake where you know by the end of next decade, by the end of the 2030s Ford and GM could be irrelevant. They could be these tiny little boutique automakers, that aren't selling many vehicles, and um, we'll see. I, I hope I'm wrong, but that's my biggest read on this.
1: Uh, right? Hmm. I don't know, Kyle. Does it, it make sense to you?
2: I'm. You know, I'm good at reviewing cars, not company strategy or anything like that.
1: Right. But but you know, just in your th- you must have a. What What do you think when you?
2: I think my gut. I don't know. I. I it's not not my world to comment on this is not not where i'm should be used okay Okay.
1: um well one thing i did think was interesting was that replacing the uh full-size van with it with a bright drop delivery derived vehicle which is kind of bizarre so the the chevy vans they're like 50 some years old they've been (laughs) it's underneath those bones they're like they've been around forever i i I was reading it last night, like it was 50 some years. I'm not even sure whether that still goes back, but the seventies, early seventies. Um, and they really haven't changed since they haven't been updated since I think 2003, I think (laughs) that's like 20 years ago. It's kind of crazy. That was on the
2: configurator for the GMC Savannah, I think is what it's called their van. Right. And Uh it's literally like a 2000, early two thousands van. And they've just, just, I think for model year 24 or 23 recently, they put the led headlights still reflector though.
1: Ooh! Wow. Yeah. So I could see them make it, but I don't know why they use a bright drop delivery van for the base of it. You know, I would use like their Silverado base, wouldn't you? I don't know. It's kind of. Yep. I don't. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious how that all works, or maybe it's miscommunicated, or who knows exactly. I think
2: companies are going to ebb and flow in and out of design decisions i a lot of it is just trying to please the customers you know in the real time i'm i'm sure a lot of what we're hearing from companies may not actually be their long-term strategy um you know they just you know i think this whole ev movement um pissed off a lot of uh people and they're trying to not lose their you know entire customer base right now and we'll see what the future
1: holds right so Nebula Seventeen O One adds the Silverado base is the Bright Drop base. So okay, it's, I have a hard time picturing it in my mind because the you know Bright Drop box is so long. So that's obviously an extended frame. Right? you've driven the Bright Drop? It's like much huge, much larger than a pickup truck, right? I
2: mean, Silverado is massive, right? I don't actually yeah. think there there's definitely a size difference, but I don't think it's as big as you're thinking.
1: Okay, yeah, maybe I need to see them side by side. Yeah, yeah you, you were just yeah. in the Silverado too, right? For, for yeah, that.
2: just in Silverado. I've driven both the Bright Drop and the Silverado. Right. Cool.
1: Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know if there's anything more to say about that, but I thought you know we should at least talk about it a little bit. I don't know. Uh, so th- this week, the Volkswagen ID. Seven Tour, that's the station wagon version, launched in Europe. It's not unfortunately coming here. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on this, little Martin. As uh, as a family man, would you take the Tour over the sedan?
0: Yeah, of course. Absolutely, I would. I mean, my wife is not a, a big fan of this format of vehicle. We had a Skoda Octavia VRS before, before I got into EVs. Uh, and she was never really taken with that, you know. Oh. And uh, she, you know, her ideal car, if I could wave a magic wand and just have one car on the driveway that she drove all the time, would be the Audi e-tron uh, big battery S-Line because she just absolutely loves that. Um, She likes that feeling of sitting up high um, and uh, but but not wanting to drive, you know, like a full-on Range Rover kind of thing. So um, she wouldn't have this, but I'd have it in the blink of an eye. It's not the first uh, estate car that we can get. Uh, uh, My mum, my stepdad have the MG5, and that's a really practical car. You could call the Taycan Cross Turismo. If you want um, an estate car, the BMW i5 Touring has now gone on order over here. The Audi A6 Avant e-tron is this year, I think. And so, um, yeah, we've got a choice. Now, we do have a choice. I think it's going to be a great choice, by the way. Um, It's rear-wheel drive, not all-wheel drive. It's 600 litres of boot space, which is about, in your language, what, 20 cubic feet? Um, Or 1,700 litres with the thing folded down in the back. With the seats folded down in the back, about two meters um, of uh, of load space. I would have this with a roof box and, of course, VW do a VW doer uh, you know, uh, an official roof box for this already on the accessories okay. list. Um, wow. Even if it was empty, I'd still have one. Who cares about the uh, the, the drag factor? Because it would look so cool on this. <laughs> it's got, it's <laughs> and, got uh, tons you know, of range anyway, right? Uh, and a couple yeah. of mountain bikes on the back with a bike rack, and it would just be like, yeah, that dude is going on holiday for a week with his kids. And um, yeah, so uh, absolutely right. So uh, two battery sizes, two hundred kilowatt DC fast charging. Um, it's otherwise an ID Seven. Which is a Passat, isn't it? This is the electric Passat, and um, and that's a very good thing. And so, four hundred and twenty five 426 miles of wltp range on this so the tora or the tora pro has the battery that we all know and love so 82 kilowatt hours gross 77 net and then mm. there's the new uh, battery which is the pro s version on this which is 91 kilowatt hours gross and 86 net so it's a bit of a bump but it's enough for well over 400 miles wltp 28 minutes to get to 80 percent charge and um You know, on a road trip, because, you you know, you might say, oh, well, look, you know, the the EGMP cars are going to do that in 10 minutes less. But honestly, if I'm on a road trip with the kids, I can't get in and out in in 28 minutes. And so it's going to be full. Um, and otherwise, it's an ID7, big 15-inch touchscreen up front, which is what we want. Big head-up display um, uh, with augmented reality, so it sort of superimposes real life onto the uh, onto the head-up display, and and loads of loads of equipment that are, I think a lot of it's standard, like the massaging seats and all sorts, uh, which is what the buyer of this vehicle is going to you know expect because they will do. Some buyers of this will do really decent miles per year. Um, if you're using either as a working vehicle or as a family vehicle, we do a lot of road trips. I think this is perfect. What a perfect car! Absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, absolutely love this. And if I could, I would, uh, I would have one in the blink of an eye. I think it looks great as well. And they've finally got the infotainment sorted now. Um, and just, a, just a ton of room. Oh, and the new uh, what's he called? AP five fifty motor on the back of it. So uh, on the back of it. But I have to stop because I've just seen what's in the comments.
1: Well, we're gonna a uh, very generous gift from Ed Peterson. Who says, Holy
0: moly, Ed. Thank you, Ed. Is that a mistake? Wow! Have we got to do a refund on It this? must have
2: been $3, but then he
0: accidentally <laughs> added a
1: couple of zeros.
0: Oh, <laughs> Thanks, <crap>. Ed. <laughs> Ed, that's so, insane. That's, it keeps this show on the air. Wow. S-
1: several weeks ago, I asked your opinion on purchasing the Mach-E or the Ionic 5. Based on your advice and a few test drives, we are now the owners of a 24- uh, Ionic Five SEL. That's a nice trim. Uh, thanks for all that you guys do. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, and congratulations on the Ionic Five SEL. That's a great trim level for that car. And uh, yeah, there's <laughs> some confetti going in here.
0: That's so rubbish. <laughs> wow. The, the confetti is rubbish. Uh, no, yeah. no, yeah, not the donation. The uh, the the confetti. Well, yeah. the, I don't know why we right. even loaded it in the system. It's terrible. Wow, Ed. Thank you so much, my friend. Yeah. Wow.
1: So, so that was great that you could actually go and test drive them. I'm, we try to encourage that as much as possible because, you know, I mean, that's the, the great part about car shopping. You get to actually get behind the wheel of a bunch of different things. You have an excuse to walk into a dealership and say, Hey, I want to drive this Rolls-Royce Spectre. Okay. Maybe not that, some, whatever, Cadillac Lyric or Four. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to some other news, I guess. Um, Right. So, Rivian just had a tough Q4 2023 earnings report. Uh earnings came in a little less than epi- estimates. It wasn't it was like off by 4 cents, but uh, and they had higher revenues, but the the market just pounded the stock. It was down over 26 yesterday, 26% and it's down a little bit this morning even. Uh, the company announced that it expects its 2024 production to be equal to last year at 57,000 vehicles and it's also laid off 10% of its salaried employees. Tom, should we be worried about Rivian? I don't know if you paid a whole lot of attention to this earnings report or anything, but
3: Well, yeah, I mean, uh I, we should be worried about Rivian, we should be worried about Lucid, uh these both companies. You know, we were worried about Tesla for a while, you know, and um it's it's hard to to launch a car company. It's very difficult. Uh, they need to get the R2, which is a lower cost vehicle to market, just like Rivian needs to get uh, not only the Gravity, but then their midsize in a couple of years, because that's going to be a volume vehicle. And uh, you know, it's it will Rivian be around in 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 ten years? I don't know. It's 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 hard to say. You know, it's not a good look that they're laying people off. Um, you know, the it's, the vehicles seem to be selling well. I see them all over the place here but it, you have to sell a tremendous amount of vehicles to make it work. Tesla had a huge advantage being first to market um, in a couple of ways. Number one, they made that fantastic strategic decision to install the superchargers um, and allow their customers access to be able to charge and and, and to travel freely around the country and around the world. Um, but they also didn't have competition then. Like if you wanted a, a, a you know desirable long range, uh, electric vehicle, it was Tesla. That was it. But now there's options. So these other, uh, uh startups, Rivian, Rivians, the Lucids and, and so forth, they, they have a lot of competition. And, uh, you know, if you, if Rivians, uh, you know, there, there are one T's got to compete against a lightning. It's got to compete against Silverado. It's got to compete against Cybertruck. You know, when, when Tesla started, that was it, you know, you wanted an electric sedan, you bought a model S period. And uh, so, yeah, they, uh, are they in trouble? I, I think, yeah, I think they're in trouble. I don't know how, how serious trouble that is. I don't, like Kyle, I don't really dive deep into the companies, their finances. But um, just the fact that they're a startup and they're struggling to get more and more vehicles out on the roads and, and more uh, revenue uh, in that light. Yeah, I think they're, you know, the, the, the Rivian story hasn't been told yet. I hope they make it, but uh, I think they've got a challenging, you know, six to ten years in front of them.
0: Wow. Martin, do you have any, any thoughts on this at all? So they have nine or ten billion of cash or cash equivalents on hand. I what it was because it was earlier in the week that um, they had the, the call and I read that release. Uh, but that's, I forget what it is. Forgive me if it's either two or three years of, of uh, runway. So the company's not going anywhere at all. Um, third round of layoffs, I think I'm correct in saying, but all Mm -hmm. companies do that. Not all companies, but many tech companies in countries that, where you can just lay off 10% of your staff because we couldn't, you couldn't do that here, for instance. Um, then it happens. That's horrible, isn't it? Um, if you're affected by it, um, it's, it's a horrible thing to, to have happen to your friends or colleagues, but companies do behave like that. They, Mm -hmm. they hire, hire, hire almost work out what they got wrong and then trim the rolls that they don't need. Anyway, so uh, it's horrible, but there we go. Um, Yeah, so look, Rivian's going to be fine. Rivian will be fine. Lucid will be fine. The Saudi Public Investment Fund is not running out of money anytime soon at Lucid, and Rivian have got loads of money in the bank. So it's going to be fine. As Tom says, the key is, can they develop those products? Because I I forget what the revenue was. I don't know, Dom, if you read that earlier in the week as well, but the revenue was in the...
1: 1.67 billion? Brilliant, right? Yeah, so right, this right, company, right.
0: It's been around for 15 years or however long ripping has been around for. They finally found their neat, their, their, their groove in are here. Like, that's insane. Can you imagine starting a company and then having that amount of revenue and that amount of happy customers? And so it's just brutal making cars. As we've seen the established OEMs all having to bow down to the CFO. I keep saying this. The boardroom battle. Two, three years ago, the CTO was winning and you were getting your own way. You're getting the big investments. The last 12 to 18 months, the CFO is winning and saying, we've got to stop this spending. We've got to pull back. Got to have plug-in hybrids. We've got to slow down. And that's the argument that's winning in many borderings. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it in step with China, with government regulations, with combustion bans? Will you be caught with your trousers around your ankles if all of a sudden you've got nothing to offer? Looking at you, you know, Toyota, Honda, Subaru. They've got time to make those vehicles, and so Rivian are doing the hard yards now that big established companies don't want to do or just haven't got the appetite to do. And of course, yes, the stock price is down, so yes, there is a bit of a stink this week about it, but I'd ignore all that because they make amazing products, and we're going to see the R2s very soon. And I think they're going to be really good. The trouble is they're two years away from those arriving with customers.
1: Right, so I think like it really all kind of depends on the R two, and because that's what they're investing a whole bunch of money in, you know, laying out a bunch of capital, building a huge factory in Georgia. Uh, They need to make you know hundreds of thousands of these things and sell them. So it has to be, it has to really be a compelling vehicle, I think. And I I don't, I'm not really worried about Rivian too much. I I think they probably have this all nailed down. They have a good team. Uh, Obviously, they have a The top, they're number one right now in in customer loyalty. You know, a a Rivian owner is more likely to buy a Rivian than any other. You know, vehicle owner is going to buy that that same brand they're in again. So there's a lot of good things going right with Rivian, and the the stock price. Pretty. So I I don't usually do like financial videos at all, and it's not financial advice. I'm just what I would do if I bought stocks. I don't buy stocks, but just saying. This looks like a really great buying opportunity to me, but uh, don't don't listen to me. Don't take my advice. Just do your own thing. Um, Worth saying, yeah. the R
0: two is going to be a global vehicle. Well, certainly a European vehicle as right. well. Europe, uh, so European, right? It comes here as well as there. So, uh, that, so and then it, it's it's the right thing to do at the right time. I never understood the, the Fisker thing of we're going to sell this vehicle everywhere all at the same time. And you're like, okay, right. um, you know, for Rivian to do it, to build, to build. I think they're doing all the right things. And the, and the products are really, really good.
1: Rivian already sells in Europe. Their EDV, their, their delivery van, they already shipping Uh-oh. vans over there. So that's a part, part of that's kind of, you know, a little bit of experience in that already. But uh, yeah, so I think with with Europe, that's a huge addressable market. So just as long as they get the design and the value, you know, equation is there, you know, the price isn't too high. Uh, right, but I'm pretty sure they'll be fine. But uh, I just want to touch on that a little bit. Uh, Lori has a question for us. Uh, Lori, long time viewer. Uh, she's about to maybe get a Hyundai Kona EV. So what's your opinions on Kona EV limited trim would be second EV in Gamely. I'm not sure, I don't do road, uh, maybe road trips, charge at home, meet RV is 21 Mach-E. So I think their current EV is a 21 Mach-E. So Econa EV limited trim, I don't know, Kyle, you've had time in the Econa EV, right? Yeah,
2: I'm and sure Martin's which... owned them as well. I mean, well, it's, it's, true, a, right? it's a great car. Uh, I've driven one across the country, basically, and uh, you can't go wrong. I don't see why you would need the limited trim, but if it's not much more money, get the cooled seats, get the all the tech. Why not? Seems good. And if you're not doing road trips, that's a reliable, great daily car, nice and nimble, really good option.
0: Great to park, big enough in the front, a little bit bit challenged uh, in terms of luggage and room in the back to carry five passengers plus their stuff, but very, very good package. Right.
1: And like we said just before, you know, take it for a test drive uh, just to make sure that, you know, you're going to enjoy your time behind the wheel. But, uh, yeah, that was a I think it's a pretty good choice. All right. Um, so what else do we have here on the list? Uh, not a whole lot actually left, what's our time? Okay, we're pretty close. Uh, Scout Motors broke ground on their $2 billion plant in South Carolina. So that's kind of interesting. And just, uh, just to remind us that Rivian actually has a competitor coming. So that it's kind of adventure vehicle space, you know, a Scout is gonna, is gonna try to enter that and uh, it's uh, owned by Volkswagen Group. So it should be kind of interesting to revive uh, an older brand like this. With, so there's, a, it's got a lot of heritage already, but this is a whole new thing. It's just, I don't know how it's going to connect the past with the present. I don't know. Uh, I don't, anyone they, have any thoughts, Martin?
0: They said that they were both going to be independent and have their own engineering freedom to create the, the truck and the SUV. Or the crossover, whatever it is, uh, themselves, but equally, they're going to lean heavily into being part of VW. So, procurement, supply chains, engineering knowledge, all of that. So, uh, looking like they're doing sort of the Geely model, you know, where Geely have those brands like the Volvos and Polestars and Zikas and the London Black Cabs and stuff, and, and, you know, go to the mothership for what you need and be as independent as you need and be a flexible startup. So, if they can pull it off, I think that's a really, really good way of going about things because they've got all that backing, all that experience, the funding, like I say, procurement, et cetera. But, well, batteries are the big thing. So where do the batteries come from? Is that using VW's PowerCo uh, or is it somebody else? But hopefully lots of independent in, terms, independent in terms of decision-making. So it won't be like, oh, it's just a Volkswagen, um, but, uh, but to be proudly a Scout independent thing. Really excited about this. Very excited.
1: All right. Yeah, it should be. I'm really kind of curious of what they come up with. I'm not even, I can't remember when the, uh, do we know when the reveal is of what they're doing? Q3. Oh, it's not so far away. Okay. Uh, So uh, one last little bit of news here on my list and then uh, we can go. Uh, Volvo Cars, and we talked about this a little bit on our battery bargains episode last, on Tuesday morning, I think it was. Uh, Volvo Cars is streamlining and standardizing its model names for fully electric cars. So if you're looking at electric Volvos, some of the names have changed. Um, So the fully electric XC40 Recharge and the C40 Recharge models are renamed to simply EX40 and EC40, respectively. Now, they say, seamlessly fitting in with other fully electric models, the EX30, EX90, and EM90. That's the big luxury minivan that we don't get here. Uh, the EX40 name remains for the internal combustion variants of the model, but who's interested in that? Not I. Anyway, so, yeah. I don't know if we have any, any commentary on that. I think it's good that they kind of, it's a little of a, a pain in the butt right now for them, I think, but... It's good to have your your naming, you know, nomenclature kind of sorted like this.
0: I will say Volvo, along with the Koreans, are some of the companies that aren't backing away from EVs. They're not following the trend of some others. And they're once then look, The 2030 date is in there. We'll carry on using the recharge name for the combustion, XC40, and uh, but we'll... That's where recharge, the, the name recharge will be used for the plug-in hybrids and things. Um, but here's our clear vision on EVs, and we're not stepping away from our targets and we're moving head head towards it. And that's uh, you know, to come back to that point, that's gonna be a really interesting, almost two-class system over the second half of this decade. The ones like Hyundai's and Kia's and Genesis and the Volvos of the world that are, no, this is the way we're going, and we're gonna have the cars on sale in the countries. the regulations are banning combustion stuff and then you're going to have others that are hedging their bets i'll put it that way
1: right max patton has some uh some volvo ec40 opinions he says it's dated and overpriced product but not a bad car still i think he has a (laughs) uh, i think he's a polestar 2 owner right yeah
0: i i I went and watched all of brandon's uh polestar stuff and all of max's polestar stuff recently when i first got my car
1: (laughs) oh right right uh right on all right. Um, let's see. Anything else this morning? Oh, the Cooper Born VZ is an electric hot hatch with 322 horsepower there in the UK. I don't know if you wanted to say anything about that, Martin. Does that uh, tinkle your ivories?
0: There you go. We get what that, you do expression <laughs> that is? <laughs> <laughs> the most powerful MEB car out there. And it's still something like five and a half seconds, 0 to 60. So I don't, I don't know. They, they can't make these things go quicker in a straight line. But um, this is cool. This is very cool.
1: Yeah, looks great.
0: So I love the green and bronze. Oh, it just looks awesome, doesn't it? So this is yeah. the most uh, spicy MEB thing that they uh, will be uh, be making.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, we don't get that here in the US either. Uh, one day, one day. Oh, I didn't realize this.
0: And also, oh. a new battery. Oh, oh
1: I, I was going to click on the same little thing there. Yeah, <laughs> EVKX says the VZ has seventy-nine kilowatt hours net. That is new for MEB. Usually it's, what, 77, right? Yeah.
0: Hmm. So just a couple of a couple boosts. That's cool.
1: All right. Well, I think that uh, I should probably wrap it for the day, I think. So as we look at pictures of the Cupra VZ, that brings us to the end of our show. If you have any questions or comments, leave them below or get in touch with us on the social media platform of your choice. Don't forget, if you like the show, please give us a thumbs up click subscribe, tap that bell icon for notifications. Uh, Thank you all very much for joining us and we'll see you all again real soon. Ciao.